Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbarnwell.com. Great grace, peace and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Well, I want to continue with the Passover series, and I want to just, in a sense, wrap up with what we released last week. Um, We were dealing with Israel's exodus from Egypt, remember? And um, I said to you that to, to leave Egypt, you have to ensure that the lamb is in you. The night before they left, they were instructed to eat the lamb, not so? The whole lamb. The internalization of the lamb was meant to be fuel for the journey. The internalization of the lamb was meant also to be their immunity as they would exodus. The lamb would be slain. The lamb would be internalized. In John chapter 6, Jesus said, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within you. This was immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus' church grew from 12 men to 5,012 men through one miracle, the feeding of the 5,000. That's John 5, etc. Toward the end of John 6, he makes the statement to the crowd, to all of them, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, you have no part of me and you have no life within you. At that statement, the Bible says, and they left him. Many left him. In fact, the church then shrunk back to 12. 5,000 who followed him because of bread and fish decided to leave him because of doctrine. One Bible study shrunk the size of Jesus' church. Not even one Bible study. One statement he made, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. So numbers are not an indication of accuracy. Numbers, are not, numbers do not validate anyone, okay? And the Bible says they thought that he was teaching cannibalism. They said, how can, a man, how can we eat your flesh and drink your, your blood? For failure to understand the truth of God's word, they left. Not so? He wasn't talking naturally. He was talking spiritually. What he was saying, unless you learn how to internalize all that I stand for, you will have no life within yourselves. The disciples potentially were threatened to leave, or were not threatened, were tempted to leave. That's why Jesus asked the question, will you go also? Jesus actually asked them, you 12, you've been with me for a while, but will you leave now too? The reply of Peter says, where can we go? Because you alone have words. Everyone say words. You alone have words of eternal life. Okay? So the disciples stayed, and as Jesus gave explanation to what he said, they understood that he meant by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, the willingness to take in all that he represents and internalize it into their own lives. You cannot be selective. In the kingdom, there's no selective diets. You eat the whole lamb or no lamb. You're going to eat the whole lamb. 
right? You can't take the parts you like and say, don't like that teaching, don't like that doctrine, but I will hang on to these things, right? You've got to eat even the unsavory parts that challenge your flesh, that challenge the thinking, that challenge the mind, right? So on the night, on, before they left Egypt, uh, the instruction of Moses to them was, uh, cook the whole lamb with fire and eat it, entrails and all. So then, if we are to internalize the lamb, we are to internalize everything that the lamb stands for. We then looked at a portion in Revelation chapter 14 last week, where the lamb stands on Mount Zion, and he stands with 144,000, 12 times 12 times 1,000, 144,000, which are representative of an apostolic people. Right? Governmental people. A governmental people that can stand where he stands. That's what I want to challenge you. Are you able to stand with him? Are you able to stand where he stands? To stand where he stands means that I must fully represent everything he is. Right? The standing with the Lamb means the, yes, you've internalized and imbibed everything that he represents. Then it says he has a name on his forehead called Father. He has his name, it says his name, and the name of his Father on his, on his forehead. If you look at Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13, I think it is, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13, tells us what the name of the Lamb is. Okay, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 13. He is clothed. This is if you read the context, I won't read the preceding verses. The preceding verses all talk about this Lamb of God. And it says, this Lamb of God, he is clothed with what? He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called what? His name is called the, the Word of God. So if you go back to Revelation chapter 4, 14, Revelation chapter 14 says, This lamb stands on Mount Zion together with 144,000, which is you and I and apostolic people. And it says, The lamb has the name of his father and his name. What is his name? Word of God. Now, listen, I need to explain this carefully. This lamb is the son of God. This lamb is Jesus Christ, who gave his life as a ransom for, for many. Isaiah 9 and verse 6 says the following, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Please don't confuse that. The child is born, but the son is given. The son is not born. The son is given, but the child is born. And his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, and what? Everlasting Father. Now please note this, please note this, that the name of the child born, the son given, the name of this child born or son given is many things. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, and it says Eternal or Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Name, the name given to the son 
One of the names is Father. Right? That's why Jesus is not contradicting anything when he stands before men. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen my, my Father. Do you know that they wanted to kill Jesus when he said in John, he said, God is my Father. You know what? They understood. The next verse says, the Pharisees surmise this. By saying that God is your Father, they said, you make yourself equal with God. That culture fully understood that any son represents Father. And he stands equal with his Father, although his Father ranks above him. Please, you stand with the Lamb. Tell your neighbor, you stand with the Lamb. You stand with the Lamb. That's why Philippians says, Philippians 2, he divested himself of his eternal godness. Not so. He emptied himself. And he, he made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a man. And it says this, he thought it, that equality with God was not something to be grasped at. But he made himself of no reputation. But he understood the principle of equality with God. Now, listen carefully. Everything that God is, you are. As He is, so are, are we in this world. This is the mystery of the gospel. That God has chosen sons, you and I. And He puts you, He gives you such privilege. He says, not only are you my subordinate, but if you truly mature, my son, there's nothing that I will not withhold from giving you when you come to your place of maturity. For you will stand alongside with me. I will always outrank you. But in your representation of me, you can act as me. And when you act as me, before men, you can say to them, if you've seen me, you've seen him. I become the visibilization of everything that he, that he represents. Okay? So, the scriptures uh, tell us this lamb has got a name, what? Father, and a name? Word of God. But this lamb is a son. This lamb is a son. Remember John chapter 1 says about the word, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Verse 14, we beheld his Glory as what? As the only begotten of Son of the, the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay? So this word made flesh is the Son that has glory and, that has glory and truth. So, this Lamb is a Son. And the only way He gets the nature of His Father is by partaking of the Word of God. There is no Son that is a Son unless that son prioritizes God's word. Right? The son must, must receive of the nature of his father by partaking of the word that the father gives. Now, I want to demonstrate this in a few, a few verses. In John 17, which I've asked you to focus on, it's a wonderful, wonderful prayer. In fact, I think this should be called the Lord's prayer. I think Matthew 6 is not the Lord's prayer. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say it's the Lord's prayer. Theologians have given it that 
that term. But in John 17 is where the Lord is praying. <laughs> so that's the Lord's prayer to me. Right? In John 17 verse 6, what did he say? Listen carefully. He says, I have manifested your name to the men that you, you gave me. Watch. Please, brethren, use your sanctified imagination. Put yourself in that garden. Watch the Son of God talk to his dad, his papa. And he's saying, you know, he uses endearing terms like, Oh, righteous Father. Another place in the, in the, in the, in the, in the prayer, he says, Oh, Holy Father, I come to you. Right? Endearing terms. Right? He talks about a glory I had with you before the ages began. There's intimacy, there's love, and there's strong relationship between these two. And look what he says here in verse 6. I did what? What did the Son do? I have manifested what? I've manifested your name to the men that you gave me out of the world. Now watch. What is the name that you gave me? It's not Jesus in this context. I've manifested your name. What is his name? Father. I've manifested your name which you gave me. Right? The word manifest here is to make conspicuous. The Greek word is phenereo. It means to to show openly and visibly. Remember last week I said the name, the the, the term name in spiritual terms depicts what? Nature? Come on. You were here last week? Come on. What are the four things about a name? What does a name allude to? The nature, function or will, authority and representation. Let's take the first one. If he says, Father, I've manifested your name to these guys you gave me. He's saying to them, Father, I've manifested your nature. I've shown them your will. I've declared to them the kind of authority you're able to wield through a son. Right? And I've shown how you come represented in me, the son. Shown them all these things to you, Father. He's talking to his dad. He says, Father, I have manifested your name to those you gave me. And watch. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they did what? And they have kept your word. What I want to stress in part this morning is, there's no coming into the nature of Father apart from His word. That's why the Lamb has the name Father and Word. And by the participation and obedience to that word, the Son becomes natured after His Father. Okay? If you're going to neglect the Bible, if you're going to neglect the Word of God, the, 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 the scarring of your forehead, forehead speaks of a mind, not so? How is the Father's nature, will, authority, and representation, how is that going to be indelibly embossed, right? not to be erased ever again? How is that going to be engraved uh, or chiseled into your thinking such that I will never move from that position again. Right? It's only going to be through God's word. I, I don't have time. I taught this in the whole series on the primacy of the word of God. But every time you engage the word of God, you position yourself to be a partaker of the divine nature. Second Peter, you know the verses. Right? For by great and exceeding great and precious promises, we have become partakers of his 
nature. Okay? So, are you going to love God's word? Come on, make a promise to the Lord. Are you going to love God's word? Are you going to prioritize God's word? You see, otherwise, this becomes a lecture to you. This is philosophy. This, you'd rather go to university and go and attend one of the philosophy lecturers there. This is not a, a lecture hall. This is the church of the living God that we are in. This is the word of God. This is life principles. They're going to alter your, 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 your destiny. But I can't do for you that which you must do for yourself. What you must do for yourself is love God's word. What you must do for yourself is daily. Let me just say this. I read an article on Facebook um, the other day where a scientist said, that the, 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 the heading caught me, and so I just read a bit of it. How long does it take to get out of shape in your body? That was the heading. And they were talking about those that have a routine of daily exercise, etc., and they were saying it just takes one or two days where you just start losing gains that you've built up over a period of time. But the whole article was about consistency, about regularity, about doing the same thing over and over and over again. I want to encourage you with the same token. Amen? I told you last week, growth is not going to come to the passive. But if you are going to grow, you're going to have to be deliberate and you're going to have to be aggressive. You're going to have to want things and negotiate your, your way there. Not so? Right? You must want things. You must want to move to a new place in God. I will encourage you, don't neglect the word of the Lord. Don't neglect God's word. Amen? And I want to encourage you that the only way he man Listen to what the verse says again. I've manifested your name. How does he manifest his name? He speaks the word. And when you keep the word, you participate in the nature of the name. Because the word will declare the nature of the Father to you. Okay? Look at verse, um, or John chapter 14. John chapter 14. These verses you know. I just wanna, I want to reiterate them. John 14 verse 21 says the following. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Okay, this, this particular verse, this congregation should know very, very well. Right? We really drill this in the primacy of the word. Right? It says, he who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who, who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved of my father. I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. It's an amazing verse. Watch. If you have my commandments and keep them. There are two imperatives here, have and keep. Can't keep something you don't have. So keeping is obedience, not so? You must be obey the word. But words that you're not exposed to, you cannot obey. That's why it's, it's, uh, it, it disappoints me when people don't prioritize their seatedness, their sitting under the sound of God's word. Because you don't, you don't have nothing to keep <laughs> because you have not anything. Hmm? You must have and then keep, right? Have and then keep the word. And then it says this. That's the one who loves me. I like that. And if I ask the question right now, how many of you love God? All the hands will go up. All the hands, right? But there's only one acid test to test, to check whether a man or woman loves God. It's the degree to which that man or woman obeys God's word. There's no other measure. No other measure. 
We sang beautifully now. I love you, I love you, I love you. We sang it wonderfully now, right? But the moment you walk out of those doors, right, and there's a situation facing you, you're going to decide in that matter, am I going to obey God or am I going to disobey God? Your decision to obey God will validate your claim to love Him. There is simply no other measure. In fact, I would think this. The one who thinks he loves God while disobeying God's law is in deception. Please hear me. I've been looking at all the deception verses recently. Verses that start like, be not deceived. There's a couple of them. You must study it and check what God is saying. Be not deceived. Why will the Bible say, be not deceived? Because God knows people will be put, have the potential to be. I'm not talking about somebody else deceiving you. I'm talking about self-deception. When you think you are right, but you are wrong. How many of you have spoken to some people when they, are, they know they're right, yet they are thoroughly wrong? That's the most difficult person to argue with because the person made up their mind already, the whole world is wrong, I am right. You try and reason, you try and convince. For example, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow apples expecting pears, you are in deception. Repeat after me, be not deceived. You know, I, I, I don't know why Paul even started the, the verse like that. He could have just said, listen guys, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that shall also. He starts, hey. Because he realized people are going to do certain things expecting outcomes not related to what they're doing. You cannot do a certain thing and expect an outcome not linked to it. Then you are deceived. Deceived. Let me give you an example. I'll talk money because money is something we can easily relate to. You cannot expect prosperity if you don't honor God financially. Simple. God is not mocked. When the Bible says God is not mocked, do you know how that reads in the Greek? If I mock somebody, it means you deride the person, reduce them. Not so? You know how it reads in the Greek? It says this, God will not permit himself to be mocked. Be not deceived. God will never allow himself to be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap that which he sows. Then the next verse says, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will leave, reap life and peace. Life and peace. Okay? So you determine your reaping by your present actions. You determine your reaping by your, your present actions. Okay? So I want to encourage you, don't be deceived. Love God's Word and obey it with all of your heart. How does He manifest the name Father? Come on. You see... I want everyone in this church, by the time we leave today, we're going to leave the building. And we are, the, the nature of our Father must be so ingrained upon our thinking that we are able to trust Him for whatever. We're so convinced as to His fatherliness and His fatherly nature over us. But to get there, that name manifested to you personally. Has it been made conspicuous and visibly known to you in your private world? It's going to be dependent upon the extent to which you obey God. I, I was doing a Skype Bible study yesterday, uh, early yesterday, afternoon, 
uh, to people in, in Canada. And we were talking about First Peter. Uh, the verses came alive to me again, First Peter 1.22. It says, for um, you've purified your souls in obedience to the truth. Purified your souls in obedience to the truth. Who wants a purified soul? Come on, let me see. So, what does that verse say? How do I purify my soul? Not by hearing truth. Your soul is not purified now in the service when you hear me. Your soul is purified in the act of obedience. It says, in obedience to the truth, we purify the, the soul. Right? I want to encourage you, every act of obedience is an opportunity to assimilate more and more of the nature of your Father. Right? Notice what he's praying. I've manifested your, your name, etc. And I've given them your word and they have kept your word. Back to John 14, verse 20, John 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who, who loves me. And I like this. He will also be loved by my Father. Right? Not just the Son will love you. you. In fact, your obedience is not just an indication of how much you love God. Your obedience to His Word is the reason why the Father will love you. I like to read these verses in a practical sense. I'll say it again. Your obedience to God's Word doesn't only tell me how much you love God. Your obedience to God's Word will be the activating factor for you to be a recipient of greater love by the Father. I wrote in Facebook yesterday morning, the Father is always attracted to those that love His Word. You see the Lamb... He's not just got Father here. What does he have? Word of God. To get Father, you must prioritize Word. Otherwise, people will leave this building saying, oh, Randolph wants us to be Father-centric, Father-focused, Father-fixated. I'm going to try all of my heart. Father, 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 Father. I will repeat it. God is my Father, I'm His Son. Yes, you must do that. But unless you take your life and you say, the way in which I access that nature is by Obedience to the word, the nature never ever becomes substantially vested in your life. Right? It never comes to rest, never comes to, to settle. Look what the rest of the verse says. The next verse says, Oh, wait, just look at this. It says, He will be loved by my Father, and I will love him. And what to him? I will, I will start peeling off the layers of my nature, showing him myself. I will disclose myself to him. There's greater experiential and subjective knowledge that comes to the one that obeys God's word. Amen? And the more you see, the more you become. Listen to me. The principle is this. You see, and then you are transformed. If there's no seeing, there's no transformation. Right? And beloved, it does not appear what we shall be, but we know this one thing, that when he shall appear... We shall be like him. Why? For we shall. Why are we going to be like him? For we shall see him as he is. Sight is the transformation. You only are transformed because you've seen something. Right? 2 Corinthians 3.18 We all with open face beholding in as a mirror 
the glory of the Lord. And we are, what, changed or metamorphosed, like from a, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Metamorphosis, the English word is derived from there. We are transformed into that same nature from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. But watch how that verse goes. We all, everyone say we all. Everyone in, so you all with open face. Previous verses talking about Moses had a veiled face. When he came down the mountain, they could not steadfastly look at him because of the glory. Paul finishes that whole chapter with one verse. It says, but we all, compared to Israel, couldn't look at Moses because of a shining glory from his face. Paul says, but we. Now, but we today, not with veiled face, but with open face, we can behold and steadfastly look at the glory of the Lord and we become transformed into that same image from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, if you don't see anything, there's no hope of your transformation. You become like the thing you see. He says, yeah, I'm going to show you things. What does the word disclose mean? To unveil to draw back the curtain. I'm going to show you aspects about my nature that you've never ever seen before. And it's inevitable that if you see it, you become it. I can't tell you, and those of you who study God's word will know this experience. You hear a principle in God. You hear a principle in God. You know what? Listen carefully. He who has my command. Watch. And does what? And? keeps. That's the one who loves me. What's going to happen to him? The father's going to love him. What, what, what will the son do? I will come to him. I will show him more and more of my, myself. The more, listen carefully, you only see more of Christ to the degree that you obey his word. Period. If you're not going to practically walk in the truth, I want to encourage you, be quick to obey and start the disclosure. Be quick to obey and start the revelation. Amen? Only one way your love is tested. It's by the act of obedience. I'm not just talking about anything. You're struggling with unforgiveness, just do it. Just forgive the brother. And the moment you forgive the person that hurts you, guess what? Father smiles. Hey, an act of obedience there happening there in, on the bluff. One of my sons forgave the other that hurt him. What will I do? That's the one that loves me. Son comes. Father says, I will love him. Go, son, and start revealing more and more of yourself to him. The more of yourself that that son sees, the more the son is transformed to be like the son. And let me just say this. You will never, ever know the father unless you see the son. Because he is the way. To the Father. No man comes to my Father except he comes through. He comes through me. Let's, let's keep on going. Judas Iscariot, not Iscariot, sorry, said to him, Lord, how is it going to work? You know, Judas, like Peter, always the questions. Lord, what then will happen that you're going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? How can you disclose yourself to the one and not the rest? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, what, what he will do? He will keep my word. My father 
will love him. Second time it's mentioned. Does God love everyone? Yes. Is there a special love, I believe, for those that obey his word, according to scripture? Yes, it's emphasized twice. My father will love that guy. My father will love that woman. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. We will come to him. We will make him our final dwelling place, our abode. We will come to rest and to vest in that person that loves me. He who does not love me does not keep my word. And the word which you hear is not mine, but is actually my, my father who, my father who, who sent me. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 3 says the following. I won't ask you to turn there because of time. I just want to quote it. If anyone loves God, he is also known by him. If anyone loves God, that person is also known by God. Now, are you known by God? That's the question. It says, if I love God, I'm known by him. But now I just told you, I cannot love God without obeying his word. So when I obey his word, he loves me. And I, he, I become known by him. You know, in Matthew, it says, in the last days, many will come and say, we did this in your name, we did that in your name. In your name, we cast out demons. We did many mighty works. But he will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. The Greek word is lawlessness. You will practice lawlessness. A lawless person is one that does not abide by law. Not so? Lawless and iniquitous person, we often think of sin and iniquity in that context as like sin, morality, immorality, blatant sin as we know it. But lawlessness is simply by definition being without law. Without law means being without principle. But you had a relative degree of success because you were casting out in the name, you were healing the sick, etc. But... The, 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 the judgment level is, I never knew you. Right? I did not, you did not even come into my view. But he who loves God is known by God. Right? I want to establish everyone this morning. The Bible says, examine yourself. And see if you are still in the faith. Because there is a great deception going presently. People think they're coasting along and they're fine, in inverted commas. Yet you could not be fine. You think God knows you. But don't wait for the last day where he says, but I never even knew you. He who loves God is known by him. And I, am, I love God when I obey his word. When I obey his word, his name is manifested. That's how I am kept in the name of of my father. Okay? Now, quickly, I want to go through, go to Hebrews chapter, um, Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 2, sorry. Hebrews chapter 2, verse, from verse 9 onwards. I want you to listen very, very carefully and very, very intently to this. Hebrews chapter 2, from verse 9 onwards. But we do not see him was made a little lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because of the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, 
so that by the grace of God he might taste death for, for everyone. It was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. Notice the phrase, it was fitting for this unique son to bring many other sons to glory, even through the process of, of suffering. I won't comment on that because of time. For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are from one Father. Notice, the Lord Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Last week I said to you that name, the name the Lord Jesus Christ, is essential for your salvation because there's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved but by the name Jesus. There are numerous references that say something to the effect like this. And many believed through his name. Or many believed in his his name. He emptied himself in Philippians 2. And the Father has given him a name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee, both in heaven and on earth and things under the earth, will, will confess that he is Lord To the glory of the Father. Everything has its final destination in Father. Right? The name Jesus is essential for salvation. Uh, In that name you can cast out devils. In that name you can pray and the sick will will be raised to life. The name Jesus is essential for ushering people into the kingdom. They get their sins forgiven. Uh, The sick get raised. Demons are cast out in that name. It's essential... For our initial salvation experience and for the expression of our victory over the works of the devil. But the name Father, when he prayed, he said, Father, I have kept them in your name. Right? The name you gave me, Isaiah 9 6, everlasting. The name of the Son is everlasting Father. His name, Jesus, is his human, earthly, the name of what theologians call the name of his humility. The name Jesus, why was he given that name? What did God say to to Mary? Call his name. Why? Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is relative to to the victory over sin. Always. You read it consistently throughout the scriptures. But many people only stop at that name. And they don't venture beyond to where that whole name is designed to lead men to the name of Father. The name of Jesus is essential for your salvation. The name Father is necessary for your maturation. You're maturing as a son. Right? You're maturing as a son. Remember last week I told you, Ephesians 2.18. Don't, don't turn to it. It says, I'll just quote it to you. For by Him, which is the Son, we all have access by one Spirit unto who? Unto the, unto the Father. Now, with those thoughts in mind, read this. He who is here, Jesus, for he who sanctifies, and those, that's the other sons he's bringing unto glory. And those which are sanctified are all from one, all from one Father. Right? Let me just say this. At the end of the age, Ephesians, I think it's 4, 6 says, or 4, 16. The Father must be over all, in all, and through all. Right? 
Father must be over all, in all, and, and through all. They, they're all from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Do you know if Jesus were physically, if it were possible to walk in this building right now, he would come to you, Gray, and say, you're my brother. I'm your Lord and Savior. I died for you. I'm the Lamb, etc. But, my brew. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is your brother. Watch what it says. He is not ashamed to call us brothers. In the family of God, he's not just my Lord and Savior. He's my elder brother. He says, we all come from one father. You know the word brother is adelphos or delphotes in the Greek. It means issuing forth from the same womb. What defines brothers in the natural family? Brothers are brothers because they have the same mother. I know there's not. There's some brothers from another mother, but that's a, an aberration. <laughs> I'm talking about the normality of life. Brothers should be those that issue forth from, like Joash and Jaden, are brothers issued forth from Fiona's womb. Brothers come from the same womb. What is Jesus saying? I come from the womb of my father. You come from the womb of my father. I'm not ashamed to call you my brother. Right? And notice, he went as the first unique son to secure for all other sons to follow what they will enjoy by standing with him and in him before their father. This is amazing to me. It sounds elementary. But if you truly understand what I'm saying, God has given you such privilege, such standing, such honor, But you will never get it if you violate the principles. I have standing before God. I stand with the Lamb, with my big brother. Stand where he stands. And I have the name of Father engraved upon my mentality. Let's read on. Listen carefully. The next verse. Notice what the son says. What does he say? He's quoting from a psalm here. He says, I will proclaim what? He's talking to his dad, his father. His father, I will proclaim your name to my brothers. What did he say? What did he pray in the garden? Father, I have manifested your name to the, to the men that you. I've demonstrated your nature, your function, your authority, and how you are represented in the earth as a man. Shown them. Please visualize this. If he came and he stood in the midst of us here. And he quoted this verse. He would look up to the heavens to his dad and say, Father, I have proclaimed your name to all my bruise, my brothers, your other sons. I proclaimed your name. And he says, in the midst of the congregation, I will sing, I will sing your, your praise. I believe true worship is more than me singing a song to God. It's allowing a revelation that the disclosure of the unique son gave me about his father. And he sings that in the midst of us. Hmm? Take your song deeper. Don't sing with an empty head and an empty heart. Sing with a revelation of who your father is inside of you. Amen? He says, I will sing of your name, your nature, your character. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing praise. Next verse, quickly. And he says this, again, I will put my trust in him. 
And behold, I and the children that you have given to me. I think I gave you the testimony. What happened in Washington? Sam was concluding a session. Uh, Sean is a witness. If you watch the video of the session, you will see what happened. It was a very powerful session. He was speaking on fathering. And he could not continue. And he said, there's the Lord. He saw Sam at a vision of the Lord Jesus standing in the conference at the back of the building. And he would tears streaming down his eyes. He said, and he's here. No, Sam is so into, and he's here. And he's saying to, he quoted this verse, and he's saying to his father, Father, here are the children that you have given to me. I will declare your name to my brothers. I will declare your name to my brothers. If at the end of the day, brethren, all we leave this building, and all we've had is a good time, a good service, and not come into a revelation of Father, we've missed the whole point of the gathering. The Lord, the unique Son, always wants to make visible the nature of His Father. And notice what He says. Again, He says, I like this. I don't know why this verse is stuck in here, but it emphasizes trusting God. I will put my trust in Father. This has been the most challenging sort of time of my own personal life. We have to walk trusting God. But it's been the most transforming. It's been the most... um, we your faith is tested, and you have to say, but Father, you said you will never leave me. Father, you said you will never forsake me. And I want to encourage you, until you can trust God completely, implicitly as your Father, He's not your Father at all. The Lord, the unique Son, is saying, I will put my trust in Him. Right? If you cannot trust God with your finances, what you are saying to Him is, I choose not to honor your word. I will get by by my own principles and my own means. In other words, what you're saying, I distrust you when it comes to putting my faith in you for that. Tell your neighbor, trust God. You can never ever come into a revelation of Father and still function in distrust. Amen? Come on, tell someone, trust God. You see, some of you are fleeting and erratic in your expressions of obedience. Because let me say it bluntly, because you're failing to trust God. But if you truly trust God, and let me just say this, you can only trust God when you have a revelation that He's your Father. He will not fail you. His word will not fail you. Eh? Come hell or high water, we will obey God's principles. Because God is my Father, and He will never Abandon me. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, tell someone, trust God. Trust God. He says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers. In John 17, I'm just jumping all over the place. I don't even know where I'm in my notes. But let's just go with the flow of things. In John 17 and verse 26. John 17 and verse 26. Jesus said this again, um, second time he's saying something similar. In fact, let's read from verse, before we read that verse, I think there's a, let's read from verse 9. Verse 9. 
I will encourage you, if, even if you have to read the psalm over and over and over again. I mean, this, this passage. It's a beautiful passage of prayer of the unique son to his father. It's wonderful to extrapolate some principles here. He says, I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but on, of those whom you have given me, for they are, for they are yours. Verse 10, all things are mine. All that are mine are yours. All that are yours are mine. If you just pray that prayer, all that he has, he wants to give you. He says, and I have been glorified where? I have been glorified in them. Watch. I am no longer in the world. He knew he was about to die, crucified. He's going. I'm no longer in the world, yet they themselves are in the world. I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. What's he saying? He's saying, listen carefully, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave these guys without a leader. They relied on me for three and a half years. I'm going to leave. I know you will send the comforter. Later on, he would say that in John 16 and John 18, before and after this prayer, he talks about the paracletos coming as, a, as the, the one that will administrate the Father's business in his personal absence. Right? The Spirit will come alongside and, but he says here, I'm going away, but how are you going to keep them? Keep them in your, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me, and I've guarded them. Watch, how were they guarded? By being kept in the name. Not one of them has been lost except the son of perdition or destruction, which is Judas, that the scriptures might be full, fulfilled. You're saying, Lord, even those that I've lost, I didn't lose because of anything relative to me. I've simply lost so that they've lost so that your word or will of prophecy might be fulfilled concerning them. Right? But he says, I have kept them in your name. The word keep literally means, watch, listen, the word is terio in the Greek. What does it mean to be kept in the name? Listen to what it means in the Greek. It means to, to God. Everyone say God. It's like somebody's watching over. It always alludes to the eye that has oversight over a person or a matter. So uh, God is watching. He's watching carefully. His eye is kept on us to preserve us and to keep us from injury or loss. That's the full meaning of terio. I have to be kept in the name. It means if I stay in the name, watch. It says God himself personally watches over me. He personally watches over me. And he keeps me preserved in a state, healthy and whole before him, such that no loss or injury will come to me. Such that no loss or injury will come to me. So when Jesus is saying, Father, keep them in your name, he knows the whole Bible, doesn't he? He's the word, eternal logos made flesh. He's the word before time began. He knows that one day this company will stand with me, the lamb on Mount Zion, and inscribed on their mentality would be father. Right? Please, nobody must go home and write father here now. <laughs> I'm saying get the nature into your thinking. Get it into your, your mind. Everyone say God is my father. Come on. Say with me, I'm kept in the name. How do I get the name? I get the name by obeying the word. 
So I, I, you can't just leave this building and say, oh, wonderful service. The hand of Sibri must be kept, protected in the name. Yes, hallelujah, we kept in the name. And then I'll disobey God there, disobey God Yeah, I'll disobey God there. Not kept in the name. Your, the inscription of the mentality, in your mentality of father, comes to you. With, every time you obey, the son discloses himself, father loves you, they come, the name is manifested to you. Okay? So, let me just, there's so much else in my heart here. Let me just, uh, uh, where it says in verse 26, this is the verse quickly. Let's go to verse 26 of the same chapter. He says, Father, I have made known. I have made known your name to them. I like this. Can you see how the name of Father predominated the prayer of Christ as he prayed before the cross? He says, I've made known your name to them and I will make it known. What is he saying? He's saying, all that I've revealed to them about you is not the be-all and the end-all that there is to you, Father, but they've started the journey. I'm going to keep on, even after I'm gone, they will keep getting a revelation of who you are as their father. They are my brothers. They're the children that you've given to me. I've, I've shown them and make known to them your, your name. Right? I've made known to them your name so that the love which you love me with may be in them and I in them. Think about this. I mean, Sean sang today, we love you, we love you. It was encouraging us about how God loves us and we should love him. Do you believe God loves you? Come on, yes or no? Come on, work with me. Now, but do you believe that God loves you with the same degree and intensity of the love that he had for Jesus Christ? He says it. He's, he actually, how many believe that if anybody's prayer is going to be answered, it's going to be Jesus' praying? <laughs> Who says that? Maybe one or two of you I don't know. But when, 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 when Jesus prays, I know that prayer will be. So if he's praying in the garden, come on, let's decide today. Will this prayer be answered by the Father? Yes. yes. He will answer this prayer. It's a righteous prayer. And the prayer is, make them, I've made known your name. I will continue to make it known so that the love that you loved me with, the love with which you have loved me might be in them. Now, listen carefully. Let me just quickly focus on this word known. He says, I've made known to them your name. You know the word known in the Greek is ginozero. Ginozero. Like gnosis, ginozero. It literally means to impress upon the mind. Easy meaning. Eh? To impress upon the mind. Or to confirm or to put into the mind. Where's the challenge that you have when you're going to leave this building on Monday, Tuesday, and you're going to face a need. Where's your greatest challenge? In the mind. I want to encourage you, as, even as the youngsters, as young as you are, if you were ever faced with a battle about whether should, should I obey God in this matter or not, because my love for him is going to be shown by how I obey his word. When I obey his word, he's going to come in, there'll be more disclosures to me. His father will also love me, according to John 14, from verse 21 to 23. Also, it says, he and the father will both come to me, and they will make me their final dwelling place. Right? When you're faced with a decision about whether to obey or not to obey, the battle will be in your mind. But you've got to make sure that the nature of father 
is so indelibly embossed, um, irretrievably. In other words, you know when you write with a pencil, you can, write, you can erase it. Make sure that this name is with permanent ink. Make sure that this, this, this understanding cannot be erased from your thinking. Right? I want couples, all the couples listening, if you have to obey God in a household matter, and let's say uh, it's difficult, just say to each other, tell them, let me just use Evie and Moira as well, say, Moira, God's our father. Remind each other, God is our father. Let his nature be imprinted upon our thinking. Then what do I say to Evie? Evie, God is your father. We'll take care of you. Don't worry. Just obey. Just obey. We were working, we were working with the children through the book of John in our nightly devotions. So we were reading through John. The other night we were reading through John 2. So I was explaining to Luke and Ray the parable of uh, the, the miracle of the first miracle of Christ turning water into wine. And uh, it just came alive to us. We're all on the bed there and we we're going through the working systematically through John. And um, I said, and when Mary said to the, the guys, whatever he says, just do it. I think I said, that's Nike right there. Right? See, God even knew Nike before it came to being. Just do it. <laughs> right? It doesn't make sense to put water or to serve water from stone jars used to cleanse people's feet when they come to a celebration. Because wine only matures more effectively in wooden vats. Right? And the water hadn't even turned to wine. It was still water when he says, now, go serve it. Right? It's only when they served it, the miracle started to happen. Tell your neighbor, just do it. You see, what God's going to require of you will not make rational sense. But if your father is saying, do it, what's going to keep you? Thomas said this to us. He said, the thing that caused him finally to make the decision to obey God in the matter of leaving Peter Marisburg to going to Santon was this revelation. He said, if this had not cemented itself in his mind that God is my father, that he would take care of me whatever I do. I want to encourage you. You will do the impossible with the knowledge that God is your father. Amen? That God will take, God will take care of you. Can I just close with one or two thoughts? Let's just read. Okay, time is gone. And I will talk next week maybe about something else. That's on my heart now because of time. I will not have time to explain it. Let's just read in closing Matthew 6. We know this passage well. I'm going to read this with you and leave it with you as a witness into your own heart and life. Matthew 6 from verse 25. Okay? Just to encourage you. For this reason, in fact, come, put your vows away. Put your notes away. Just take the reference down if you're taking notes. I want to encourage you also the culture of note-taking. See, many of you involved. Take notes. It's very important. Um, no one sends their kids to school without stationery. You get an education. Yeah, you get an education in internal things. At least jot something down. I found, um, and I, I, was, I told Earl this, I was with Earl having supper lunch last week. I found a book when we started the Inner Chamber Family Fellowship Church before I came this. And for the first three years, of, I had all his sermons recorded in two long hardcovers. And I was going through them the other day. Wow. And I was so enriched and so blessed. 
by, by, by the stuff that was released to us at that time. So I want to encourage you, the book will remember more than your mind. <laughs> so it's good just to sit and to jot so you can refer to it. Amen. But I want to encourage you to stand with me. I want to read this out aloud. And we're going to pray. I want to read this out. And I want to encourage all the church. You see, what are we talking about? Internalizing the lamb. We're going to leave Egypt. We're passing over. We're never going to go to the next phase until we go with the mentality of father in our mindset. I'm saying this prophetically to the house. Please listen carefully. Here's a prophecy. For the phase in which we're about to go will require trust in God. Trust in God like we've never trusted Him before. The present level of faith will not persist there. For Israel to go out of Egypt and to walk through a wilderness for 40 years, their hairs were not lost. Their sandals did not wear thin. God took care of them. Do you know what Caleb's name? Caleb's name, his name means what? Dog. Remember? Who is Caleb's father? Jephunneh. Remember? You know what Jephunneh means? Jephunneh means one who is cared for by God. So what lineage does Caleb come from? Who is his father? Jephunneh. What does Jephunneh mean? One who is cared for by God. Caleb grows up in a house with a father with a nature that says, don't worry, son, we are cared for by God, cared for by God, cared for by God. Tell your neighbor, we are cared for by God. A boy with that mentality looks at giants and says, we are well able to go up, go in and possess the land. People that don't have the mentality that Father will take care of us look at giants and say, we are unable. But Caleb, having grown up in a culture that stressed God is my Father, he will take care of us. He can take giants. I'm saying to the church, we are about to go into a phase We're like the Lord. We're going to say like the Lord in Hebrews 2. Where he says, I will declare your name before my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing praise to you. I will put my trust in you. Come on, tell you never trust God. You know, I feel such a burden for all of us. For my own life. I'm saying to my wife. I'm saying to all of us. Let us simply trust God. Some trust in horses. Some trust in chariots. But we will put our trust where? In the name. That name is Father. Hey, oh Lord, our Lord, Psalm 8. How excellent is your name in all the earth. Right? It talks in the whole psalm. You know the psalm opens and starts like that? If we wish we had time, we could have read it. The first, the psalm opens like that. And right, verse 8 or 9, the psalm ends like that. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent. How vastly different. Salis is the equivalent Greek in the Hebrew. How, you know what the word excellent means? Strong, substantial, solid, immovable. Hey, that name must be yours. I've manifested your name. I've scarred their minds, my father, with your name. That's what Jesus is saying. I've impressed, imprinted your name onto their thinking. Are you ready to read? Amen. Come on, I want you to read nice and loud, but let's read with conviction together. We're going to read until verse 33 or so. Let's go. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, 
nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat or what will we drink? Or what we will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need. Just don't leave the screen on. Read that verse again. For the Gentiles eagerly seek for these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these, all these things. Next verse. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You see, the Heavenly Father knows the Gentiles seek, and they're need-oriented. The world, the Gentiles, are need-focused. Not so with us in the kingdom. We have a Father that says, your Heavenly Father knows. Just tell that to someone, your Heavenly Father knows. We're faced with some mountainous needs right now, but let me say this. I declare it to the atmosphere. The Heavenly Father knows. And the injunction in this verse, do not worry another day. If If the nature of Father is truly saturated in your thinking, then I face life confidently, showcasing whose son I am. I am God's son. Right? But the imperative, I like how it ends, it says, but, you see, you can't hope for any of the above without seeking first the kingdom and seeking first his righteousness. You know, things will come to you when you are righteous. You don't have to pursue them. We focus so much on the pursuit of destiny. Sometimes, don't even focus on getting. Just be, and you'll see how things will start to gravitate towards you. Right? If we seek first his kingdom, his way of doing things, his priorities, bring adjustment to our lives and see how the Lord will break through for us. Amen? When the Apostle Paul was called, you know what God said to him? When Ananias prayed for his sight to be removed, one of the things God said to him, show him, Ananias, show this Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus, how that he must bear my name before all the Gentiles. Tell your neighbor, bear his name. Bear his name. Wherever you go, showcase who he is. But also, and also show him how many things he will suffer for the name. <laughs> right? This is two, there's two sides to this coin. Amen? 
don't suffer for your name. Suffer for His name. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. But aren't you glad you have a Father? Amen. Aren't you glad you have a Father? I'm so glad. You know, like Thamo would often say, I'm so glad for this revelation. It's given me a peace that I can't explain. It settled me. Uh, it settled us. Julene walked closely with us for a long time, working in the office. She knew some of the intimate details of our lives, and she knew how we had to walk through certain things. And I can testify today, we can walk through some of the same things without flinching, without worrying. Because God, historically, has proved himself faithful. Amen? Do you have records? Do you have a record of God's gracious dealings with you? Amen? How's God's CV looking in your life? Has he not done mighty things? Amen. He's done gr- glorious things. Amen. And he who has begun this good work will not fail. You know why? And I've got so many other scriptures here, but I don't want to go through it now. But all I want to encourage the church, let's leave here being convinced that God will take care of us. But let me say it simultaneously. You've got to seek the kingdom first. Got to love God's word. Got to obey. It's the only way. The nature of Father is going to be cemented in our lives. Amen. Let's pray. Loving Father, what a privilege it is to come to you today. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that this word speaks so much to our hearts. Lord Jesus Christ, our elder brother, thank you that you said, even in your prayer to your Father, that you have sanctified yourself so that we will be sanctified through you. Today, too, we sanctify ourselves unto you. We cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross. Thank you that you are the Lamb of God. Like John said, and you take away sins of the world. You cause us to stand where you stand. And all that you are, you want us to be. For as you are, so are we in this world. How we thank you for this privilege. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That you did not just save me to go to heaven and not to hell. You saved me to engraft me into the same standing where you are. I'm an heir of the Father like you are, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. Now, dear Father, thank you that by the Holy Ghost... Through the scriptures, we are able to be partakers of that same divine nature. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable. Thank you for including us in this glorious plan. We bow in humility to say thank you, Father, for the way in which you care. Like the songwriter, we want to declare, we love the way you father us. We simply love the way that you father us. Help us not to worry another day. Help us to walk confidently in this life. I speak a confidence to every mind. I pray that you would inscribe your nature upon our heart and mind. Thank you, O God, that the nature of Father will exude itself in and through every life. We live for you. We want to bear your name before the Gentiles. Like Paul did, suffer if need be, we will suffer for this representation. But we want to fulfill this mandate. To show you to the world. Word declares that if we are evil. And we know how to give good gifts. To our kids. How much more will the father. 
give good things to those that ask Him. Father, we ask that You would saturate our minds even now. I speak peace to every raging storm. I pray that for some that are trusting You and they feel that their faith is little, pray that You would increase it now, Father. Help us to see you and be transformed to be like you. All things are from you, loving Father. And to you, all things will be reconciled in Christ back to you. What a privilege it is for us to be stewards of your purposes. I pray a blessing over every family. I pray blessing upon blessing. I pray that give some, some of us this week, today, this week, signs, miracles, Pray for miracles to happen. Settle some debts. Areas of grave, deep need. Showcase just how there's nothing impossible with Father. Simply nothing impossible with you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.